Jade Software presents Beta and Beyond, the RegTech Modernization Podcast. Hey, welcome back everybody to Beta and Beyond. This is your host, Michael Howard. Today, we are joined by Rita Yates, the CEO and co-founder of InsureTech Australia. Rita brings with her a strong background in workers' compensation, is on the Australian Insurance Law Association Tech Hub Advisory Committee, and has a guiding role in helping many fast-growing, customer-centric technology companies through Antler and Stone and & Chalk. Rita, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem. So I'm interested to know about the rise of InsureTech. What's led to the surge? Well, essentially, there's been two key drivers of the InsureTech uh, surge, as you put it. Um, the first one being the development of technology and the accessibility to technology um, and capabilities. So really, that includes um, advanced capabilities like artificial intelligence, machine learning, big data, um, and the applications of those into the insurance space. The second key driver has been changing customer expectations, which as most people know, um, have developed very rapidly, particularly over the last five to 10 years. And that's been driven by disruption in um, a number of industries, uh, such as media, retail, travel, um, and others, and, and not so much as yet in the insurance sector. Um, traditionally, insurance has not been very tech-focused or tech-driven, uh, but that's certainly changing now, I think, with the with the rise of InsureTech and um, opportunities for insurers and incumbents to really leverage that. Um, on the consumer demand piece, um, you know, I think it's fairly well agreed now that we have... Um, as consumers access to do things like order our cars to pick us up on our phone, um, order food via our phone, track our kids, stream TV shows, check into flights. So everything really as consumers is, is almost everything is available to us via our mobile phones. It's instant, it's 24 seven. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, certainly insure tech is, is, trying to to help the industry um, reach that same level of, of customer expectation in the insurance industry. Mm. When we talk about InsureTech, what are the different types of organisations that are out there? There are a number of different uh, categories, I guess, in terms of the way that we categorise InsureTechs. What we're finding is that um, insurance technology startups and scale-ups are being developed across all aspects of the insurance value chain and they're, they're looking to solve problems across every element of, of the insurance value chain. Um, so initially, if we, we take a step back to, you know, around 2017, which was when InsureTech Australia um, first launched, historically, fintechs were very focused around banking and payments and, and very few startups and scale-ups in the financial services or the fintech space were looking at insurance and the problems within the insurance sector that they could solve using technology. Um, it's been really great to see that develop over the last you know, few years in particular. And now we're seeing, you know, a lot of insurtechs um, uh, emerging and looking to solve problems in the insurance space. So the, the way that we have traditionally categorised it through our, um, for example, our insurtech um, ecosystem reports, which we deliver each year with EY, 
are around the categories um, of innovative marketing and distribution, smarter loss prevention, pricing and underwriting, uh, efficient insurance administration, and then the new products to deliver better customer value propositions. And what we also find is that there are some insurtechs that cross multiple categories, and that's actually um, an emerging trend where more insurtechs, as they develop propositions in certain categories, are starting to add on and build more and more propositions that are solving problems in more of those categories. Yeah, sure. Um, so when we think about the um, traditional insurance companies um, and insure tech, what's the overall relationship like between the two, um, thinking historically now and maybe mm. future trends? Yeah, so look, interestingly, historically, I would say that um, when, again, when we first launched as an industry, there was certainly some tension between insure tech and traditional insurance players so you know including insurers and uh, brokers and and other firms incumbent firms in the insurance space and there was a belief at that point that insure tech was not ever really going to be a big thing and um saw these emerging uh insure tech players more of a threat than an opportunity um, but if we fast forward a few years, there's definitely a realisation now that the majority of insurtechs actually operate as enablers uh, in the industry, and they're certainly looking to partner with incumbent organisations for some sort of mutual benefit rather than completely disrupt them. Um, so there's also an appreciation that uh, insurtechs can bring opportunities to incumbents and that digital transformation for them will certainly involve an element of partnering and working with the insure tech sector rather than simply building everything from a tech perspective internally themselves. Um, you know, at the end of the day, insurers are not tech firms and um, certainly having that, that part of their strategy as um, partnering with external tech players is, is very much appreciated now as, as the way forward. Mm. Um, can, can you think of how um, each can learn or leverage each other for greater customer outcomes? Yeah, look, I think um, if, if we first look at insurtech organisations, generally speaking, they start with a customer pain point and build a solution from there. And that is generally the way that they begin as a business. So they always have the customer front of mind because they are taking the perspective of a customer pain point and that's then how they build their business and their proposition um, and certainly keep very close to their customers as they continue to iterate and change um, and build new products potentially. Um, they keep very close to their customers and listen to feedback um, and then build that in. Um, you know, definitely insure techs have a, and startups generally have a very entrepreneurial mindset. And I think bringing some of that as, a, as an existing incumbent player into strategic planning, um, I think moving forward will be really important to stay uh, a little more nimble as mm. a traditional organisation. So test, learn and pivot quickly, which startups obviously do very well. Um, and then the other piece to that is just the, the way that they recruit and obviously recruiting staff that will help support and grow an innovation culture. Um, and that's a little bit different to the way that in incumbent insurance organisations have potentially recruited in the past where they've recruited more for um, 
specific insurance skills um, or, or, or specific insurance um, uh, experience. Um, so I guess hiring talent that can also encompass other types of skills like, uh, you know, certainly tech skills but softer skills and potentially hiring from industries that have already experienced quite a bit of disruption in their industry is, is going to be important. Um, in, in terms of, you know, taking the flip side, what insurtechs can learn from incumbents, um, you know, of course, insurers and brokers and other incumbent organisations have so much rich historical data over many, many years. Um, insurance is also highly complex and um, those incumbent organisations are incredibly good at compliance and regulation and, you know, essentially the backbone of their businesses. So, um, you know, I think a lot of what has made the insurance industry such a stable industry over time, um, certainly insurtechs can, can learn from that. And I think what that goes to show is that, that you have two very different sets of organisations and, and partnering between the two um, really, you know, and if you can get the best out of both of those types of organisations, that can really lead to a great outcome ultimately. Mm. So generally speaking, you struggle to find a company in today's day and age who won't admit to being customer centric, at least in theory anyway. Uh, considering this as it is crucial for organisations to understand in order to deliver leading customer experiences. How has the customer journey changed over the past 20 years? I think if we if we look back 10 to 20 years ago, you know, and being completely honest, I think the insurance industry was probably less customer focused and more product focused. Mm. Um, I think that's definitely changing. And, and, you know, part of what I referred to earlier about customer expectations changing in other industries has been a key driver for that. Um, so, you know, the fact that customer experience has been significantly disrupted for the better in many industries already means that they have similar expectations from every interaction they have, doesn't matter what industry it is. So that includes insurance. So insurers really can't ignore any longer um, this change in, in focus and the change in customer expectations. Um, in terms of how the customer journey has changed over that time, most of the change has been driven by technology already. Um, you know, even if you if you look at it now, generally speaking, you can take out an insurance policy online. Um, the speed of processing um, claims and, and um, other elements of insurance has certainly improved and increased. Um, you know, in some cases you can lodge claims online now, but there's still a really long way to go I think in the customer journey, and there's still a lot of pain points along that journey um, from an insurance perspective to bring it to that same level of customer experience as other industries. Um, and, you know, I think we're still in the midst of, very much in the midst of digitally transforming the entire industry, but that is actually what makes, uh, I guess, insurance so exciting right now. There's a lot more change still to come. Mm. There's also that huge aspect of the broker yeah, look, I think that that's that, you know, I, I, I placed the brokers in the incumbent uh, bucket in, in, mm. in, in, you know, some of the, the things that I've mentioned previously. Definitely there is a, a lot of change that will happen in that space as well. I think there's still a, a huge role for brokers to play in providing, you know, really uh, important and sensible advice to their customers 
Um, mm. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But I think that that can be overlaid with technology um, uh, products and propositions that can actually help them do their job better and more effectively and potentially reach more customers and automate some of the things that they're already doing, which are very um, you know, manual and, and, and processes that they don't need to be spending their time on so that their time, which is very valuable, can be better spent actually providing the very important and high-level um, support and information that's needed. Um, of course, there are platforms being built to, to try and automate the process um, for some customers of that, that the broker or the, the intermediary, um, and that's you know, likely to to continue and continue developing. But I think that brokers that really leverage some of the technology opportunities that are out there for them will be ahead of the game in the long term because, you know, you simply can't deny anymore that consumers and customers um, want to have digital options to, to help them in the future. Sure. Um, so just just staying on that trend um, perspective, um, is there any consensus in the industry um, as to where the customer journey may head in the future and what challenges customers are likely to be facing? I don't think there's necessarily consensus as to what the customer journey will look like, but there definitely are some emerging trends. Um, so if we look at how consumers for example, buy insurance or, or even businesses buy insurance, um, there will be the ability for them to buy ins insurance through alternate channels. Um, you know, for example, the digital sites or the ecosystems that they visit most often in the future, um, making it a much easier journey for them. Um, there is also a very big trend towards embedded insurance. Um, for example, when you are purchasing products um, at the, the, the time of purchase or even having insurance linked to, to banking products, for example. Um, so embedded insurance is definitely globally a very big trend in the insure tech space that's likely to, to continue, which will affect the customer journey significantly. Mm. Um, Moving forwards, uh, you know, it's very likely and, and you know, what one of the, the pain points of consumers is that there's a lack of transparency around their, um, you know, their entire insurance, uh, the insurances they have across the board, across their life, um, but also the transparency that they have across their claims journey, for example. And it's really difficult for them to understand where their claims process is, is at in a very easy way and I think that moving forwards there'll be a lot more transparency around um, not only the insurance coverage that individuals and businesses have but also the journeys that they're going on if they do have to go through a claims process mm. um, and I think all of the elements of, of customer service you know instant service 24-7 service the ability to do everything on their their smartphone certainly will be just you know a given in the future that that from an insurance perspective you can that is accessible to you um on the product front uh it, it's you know one of the emerging trends is obviously new products being developed that better suit and reflect reflect the lifestyles that we have today um products that are more flexible and, and potentially um change as, as lifestyles change um, and also just different models of insurance that are, are very much emerging now, you know, for example, pay-as-you-drive 
will pay as you use insurance, um, insurance that you can switch off when it's not needed, and even subscription models of insurance, which are, um, you know, subscription models are something that we as consumers are very familiar with now and comfortable with. So, um, you know, I think they are some of the emerging trends that will definitely affect the way that the customer journey looks for um, customers in, you know, potentially five, ten years' time. Have you heard of any examples of how COVID has impacted the insurance sector, the way that we've changed and adapted our lifestyles, having more impact on the policies, et cetera, that we've got? Mm, yeah, definitely. And that probably feeds into the previous point around products that better reflect our life mm. and lifestyles. Um, but the the important piece to that is the ability for us to change our insurance as the way that we're living changes and that's exactly what we're going through right now you know mm. for example in sydney we're not using cars particularly very much at the moment because we're in lockdown um, and many other regions have been in lockdown at various points over the last 12 to 18 months as well um, we're not traveling so we don't require um, the same levels of insurance for, for, for travel, for example. But we're using our homes to a much greater degree and in very different ways to what we have previously. Um, and so, you know, the question on a lot of consumers' mind is, um, is the coverage I have for all the different bits and pieces in my life at the moment, is it relevant for the way that I'm living at the moment? And I think you know, to be perfectly honest, consumers are often not sure. Um, and that fall, also falls into that um, potentially lack of, of transparency, but understanding as well of what you're actually insured for. Am I paying too much? Am I paying too little? Am I underinsured for the way that I'm using my home at the moment? Um, and then, you know, the other piece to that from a work perspective and working from home perspective is what what are the obligations on my employer? Um, you know, if something does happen, if an incident does happen, um, you know, because at the moment I am working from home um, or something gets damaged, for example. So there's lots of, of, of um, I think, questions that are unanswered, but it feeds into that need for insurance to be more uh, transparent for customers mm. and also more flexible um, and, and have the ability to change it as our lifestyles change um, quite rapidly. Um, so you touched on the types of insure tech. Which of those um, five categories would you say are on the upward trajectory? I think uh, for the most part, m what we're seeing is that there are more um, businesses and insure techs being developed under all categories. But the ones mm. that I'm seeing um, that really have an upward trajectory based on the trends that are happening in the market overall. Um, there's a few. The first one would be smarter loss prevention. Um, and really the, the propositions here fall into that bucket of, of the trend that is, is heading towards more of a predict and prevent model of insurance rather than a sim simply as a, as a product that, that people go and buy. Um, mm. So moving away from the, the transactional insurance model, which historically we have had. Um, so, you know, the, the areas where this is happening, for example, are insurtechs that are operating the space of, of of uh, weather prediction and pre and potentially prevention of, of loss in that space, um, protecting of home, um, so using IoT devices for, for both home and motor, 
um, and and potentially helping to limit uh, losses. Um, and then even in workers' compensation where um, devices potentially are being used or platforms are being used to help um, protect uh, workers from actually getting injured in the first place. Mm. Um, and another area that we're seeing a lot of development, obviously, is the new product space, um, you know, focused around different product demands that consumers have today with their changing lifestyles and expectations, which I've talked a little bit about today. Um, some of the other examples of, of the new products to market are, for example, gig economy insurance, where um, different work is being uh, undertaken today compared to what it was, for example, 10 years ago. Um, and then the other area is, of course, the claims process. And there are many insurtechs operating across the claims process to try and make this a more positive customer experience, far more efficient and far more transparent for, for customers. And finally, what innovative organisations who operate outside of the insurance space do you think the industry could learn a lot from and why? Yeah, look, I'm really, I'm always really fascinated to see what's happening in other industries. And I think there are many other industries and businesses that we can learn a lot from, um, you know, some of which are businesses that we know really, really well, um, but perhaps we don't know the, the background stories um, as well as as we could to, to actually use that information to potentially build into how insurance should look in the future. Um, so, you know, obviously Apple is such a great example of a business um, that is has been incredibly innovative over the years. But but when I look at Apple, I, I'm not so interested in the, actually the product development. What's interesting about Apple is the way that they have built an ecosystem around them. They have literally thousands of, of part, successful partnerships um, mm. which serve as their customer needs. And I think that you know, the key to, even to the insurtech industry is successful partnership and to many other industries as well. And Apple just have done that so incredibly well um, to secure a, a, a very loyal customer base. Um, you know, I think a local company that, that we certainly can learn a lot from and, and we all know it is Canva, who saw a gap in the market, even from, from little old Australia. Um, and it's been interesting to watch their journey as they've been able to scale um, and keep ahead of their competitors through that, that process. And they've really gone on the journey of, that, of scaling globally together with their partners and customers and investors as well. And so that's you know, an incredible local success story. I think when we look at, um, you know, the way that businesses um, retain talent, for example, Starbucks is, is not one we think of at, at the top of our mind as being particularly innovative, but they do incredible things um, in terms of the way that they hire and retain their talent and even pay for education um, for their employees and, and as a result build incredible loyalty amongst their um, their employees, but also do good for the community to, to help, um, you know, those individuals that are employed with them to, um, you know, uh, really succeed in life in the future. Um, and then, you know, the other, I guess, category, which for us is really interesting is, is those that are essentially creating new brand new industries and really transforming traditional industries. And there are so many examples of, of those businesses um, now, you know, if we look at Netflix, for example, which has really changed 
the way that we um, we view uh, media essentially and, and view TV and movies and so forth um, and introduce this subscription model to, to viewing, which wasn't the norm. It feels very normal now to us um, as consumers, but it wasn't the norm previously. Um, companies like Airbnb and Uber that, you know, have have had many people sort of, I guess, putting them down and naysaying their business models, yet, you know, here they are today and they're transforming the way that consumers actually interact with certain industries. So I think that, um, you know, the, the approach that some of those businesses have had to transforming very traditional models um, and believing in, in their business model, I think, is is you know really interesting to follow um so any last any last words of wisdom or um things you wanted to cover rita oh i don't know if i've got any last words of wisdom but but certainly <laughs> if anyone does want to find out more about insurtech australia or the insurtechs that are members vows um or just really what's happening in this space um i just encourage them to check out our website or follow us on social media, sign up to our newsletter, um, or get in touch, and we're always happy to have a chat. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks very much for being on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, and uh, thank you to everyone else who has joined us as well. Um, if you've liked what you've heard today and know someone who might also be interested, then feel free to share this podcast with them. So uh, until next episode, we'll see you soon.